Hello, welcome back to the Shaping Little Minds podcast. I am so excited to have you here today and to dive into today's episode. But before that, I have a little bit of a life update. My pup had surgery. Well, if you're listening to this, when this comes out, she already had it. She's having it right now as I record this podcast episode. So I am going to be home with her for these next three weeks or so. She needs 24-7 care during the first week's post-op, so that's what I'm here to do. And that means that I will be pausing my work for early intervention and working on my business, which is um, creating podcast episodes for you guys, uh, coaching my clients, creating a brand new secret project for everybody. So definitely um, excited to be able to do that while also just making sure that my pup Marsh, Marshy, Marshmallow, has everything she needs to be cared for. So that's really it for my life update. There's not much else happening. So let's dive into today's podcast sponsor. Surviving to Thriving, a guide for new and struggling teachers, is my brand new free guide to help teachers transform their classroom to a space of learning and growth. The guide will help you go from surviving to thriving and it's completely free. Here's what it covers. Four myths related to being a good teacher, setting rules, routines, and expectations in the classroom, and behavior management hacks. This is a comprehensive guide for any teachers who wanna get out of the survival mode and truly thrive in the classroom. You can download the the free guide in the description below. All right, let's dive on in. Hey there, Advai here. I am so excited to welcome you to the Shaping Little Minds podcast, where we help support and mentor early childhood teachers inside the classroom. This is a place where we dive into classroom management, growth mindset, professional learning, and so much more. I'm an early childhood teacher who saw a huge gap in how early childhood educators were supported inside the classroom. I created this platform in order to help teachers feel more confident, supported, and develop a sense of trust in their teaching. Let's make teaching exciting again. I have a very special guest on the podcast today coming to you all the way from Australia. Her name is Emily, and she's going to discuss the science of reading, why it's important within schools, and what it truly does to help your students read. So please help me welcome Emily to the podcast. Welcome to the Shaping Little Minds podcast. I am so excited you're here. This is actually a topic that one of my clients brought up and I was like, it's the perfect time to uh, dive into it. So can you introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do. Hi, thanks for having me on today. Um, So my name's Emily Bogg and I am a teacher, uh, but I've actually left the classroom and started my own tutoring business that has been very successful. Um, So I was a teacher for 14 years and I worked in special needs and mainstream Um, and I spent quite a lot of time working at a language development school where we um, which was for children who have a specific language impairment so it's a it's a um, diagnosable disability Um, and there I learned a lot about the science of reading which we're going to chat about today and I learned so many skills and that's really helped me with my tutoring business and also my whole teaching career. 
Amazing. I think it'll help a lot of teachers. I know a client of mine was asking me about science of reading and I don't know much about it, but I thought it would be a great thing to bring onto the podcast. So before we dive into what the science of reading, well, before we dive into like the the nitty gritty of science of reading, can you just kind of explain um, to an educator who might not know what it is um, in the classroom, outside of the classroom, et cetera? So the science of reading is based on the principle that um, like as like humans, we don't learn to read automatically. Like a lot of people think that it's um, like an innate skill that humans have, but it actually mm-hmm. isn't. So we are we we are um, built to learn like to learn language and be able to communicate and speak to each other. Mm-hmm. And most of us will be able to do that. But reading is totally different. So um, reading is actually a construct that's been developed over many hundreds of thousands of years. So and it actively has to be taught and there's a science behind how the brain works and how we learn how to read. So um, that's what the science of reading is all about. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you. I mean, just coming from a teaching background, I know that it's not an innate skill. Um, but I also know um, when I taught kindergarten as a maternity leave coverage, I was teaching reading and that was something that was new to me. And um, it was really fun, but I would not have known how to do it without some kind of guidance. So it's really yeah. important. Um, so why is the science of reading so beneficial inside of a classroom? It's really helpful because it helps us to teach reading and writing and spelling in a really explicit uh, way. So it's based on the fact that there, that there's a code to our language and when we explicitly teach that code, kids are able to learn um, a lot easier and it's really great for people with dyslexia and other kinds of learning difficulties because it makes it really explicit. It takes away that guessing element that we have in some of the other programs that have been popular over the years of like, you know, um, rather than sounding out with like look at the picture and have a guess what you think the word might be, which is okay in really junior primary school because the books are so simple. But once we get up the grades and we start mm-hmm. reading books about pictures and things and more complex language that those skills don't work anymore right because you're not looking at pictures anymore you're looking at full chapter books when you get yeah. older um so does knowing the science behind reading or the science of reading um help an educator to really be able to teach those skills um, to their students and if so can you talk about that a little bit yeah so I really liked it so when um because it makes it really clear what you need to do and when I first started teaching like when I came out of university I was not prepared to teach reading at all I really didn't know what honestly what I was doing and it's a real it's a real shame and um because and I know that a lot of teachers don't really talk about this but um what we do like together but a lot of us left uni and we were just like I have no I have no idea like I don't know how to teach kids to read I don't know Mm -hmm. where to start and um I found that at that time 
the schools I worked in, there wasn't really much of a program. So it's kind of like I just kind of stumbled along figuring it out. But what I love about the science reading, and there's lots of different programs that you can use that are based in the science reading, mm-hmm. um, is that it breaks it down and it's really clear. You can get really great um, plans and it breaks it down from what each week, like what you need to do, what you need to teach, what games you can play, um, what activities you can do. So it takes away that feeling of am I doing the right thing because you know that you are and that's what that's one of the things that I really love about it aside from the fact that it really works. That's amazing. I mean, I went into teaching after university having no idea what I was doing. So, yeah. and and I know, and I've spoken to a lot of teachers who are in that boat right now. Um, and I can only imagine like going into a classroom and just being like, I don't really know how to teach this, but we're going to try. We're going to figure it out. I feel like yeah. having something like the science of reading can be really, really useful so that you can break it down and really learn the method and then teach it for as long as you need, as long as you're in the classroom. Um, so how can an educator incorporate the science of reading? I know we talked about like how it breaks it down. Can you give just an example? Yeah. So it teaches the, um, phonics in a way that is really clear. So it's based on the principle that most of our words in our English language are decodable. And then we teach the exceptions. Mm -hmm. Um, then we don't do sight words and things like that. So, um, we start off with our, like, sapin sounds. Like, I think most of us, um, you probably have heard of that before. So, so we teach what we call the initial code, which is the letters A to Z, and then um, just one sound. So we don't ta- start teaching the different vowel sounds and those kinds of things or, like, to, like vowel digraphs or blends or anything. So it's just those sounds. And we start off with, um, like, three-letter words, CVC words. And then we move on. So you can look up, um, you know, I know that often these programs are quite expensive and expensive to get trained. You can look up the initial code um, on just on a Google search and you can find that and some activities to do that. Um, so we want, what you want to be focusing on is phonics, so explicitly teaching the sounds that the letters represent um, and then the reverse of that, writing the sounds down when they hear them, the correct letter. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so we want to work on phonics, phonological awareness, which is um, if you're not sure what that is, that's um, being able to hear the sounds in our language. And this is often what kids who struggle with reading have the trouble with the most. So that's your your rhyming, your sound games, um blending and cementing, being able to do all of that um, verbally and orally rather than um, writing it down. Um, Mm. So, yeah, there's a really good um, program called Hegarty. And, again, yeah, it's expensive, but it really works really well. Um, But you can Google phonological awareness activities and you'll find stuff that you can use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then we want to move on to the actual reading and writing and putting it all together. So um, decodable readers are the absolute must um, and not doing sight words. So you can get free decodable readers off the internet. There's a really great website. um, It's an Australian website. It's called 
um, South Australian um, uh, Dyslexia Spelled Foundation and they have free decodable readers and activities that that match them. They are very um, Australian. So um, for for an American, even like for me, with the kids that I work with, they're very, um, they're focused, they're geared towards more of our Indigenous population to be relatable. Mm -hmm. So even some of the kids that city kids that I work with are kind of like, mm, what is this book? Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess you'll get the kind of social studies aspect in there as well. But they are a really great resource um, and you can find decodable readers elsewhere as well. Um, yeah, so I would um, look, really look for those. They're really helpful. And then we we look at instead of, sight words like I mentioned before we get, mm-hmm. we look at irregular words and we teach the kids that oh sometimes you know our letters are being sneaky and they're pretending to be the other sounds like for example mm-hmm. like lots of kids would spell that w-o-z because that's kind of phonetically how it sounds mm-hmm. with I for our younger kids, I kind of go, oh, you know, the A and the S are being really naughty and they're pretending to make, to um, show in and um, oh, and as sound. So, um, yeah, making it fun and just explaining those irregular patterns to the kids seems to help. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, also the English language in terms of spelling is very confusing sometimes. So I can yeah. only imagine how kids feel about yeah. it. <laughs> Um, (laughs) so, well, I think my next question would be like, do schools provide education on the science of reading, not necessarily being, um, like being a part of the professional development that happens outside of it, but do schools really provide it? I honestly don't know what the U S schools, um, if the U S schools provide it, I know they provide, um, certain, professional development opportunities, but those are pricey. So not every teacher gets that opportunity. Um, what's it like uh, in Australia? Yeah, it's, it's really the same. So the last school I worked in, um, we had like a literacy intervention teacher. She was trained in Sounds Right, which is a program that is really popular here in Australia. I don't know if you have it in the US. Um, and then she would kind of teach it to us, like mainstream teachers mm-hmm. um but I found that that kind of really dilutes what it's actually about then people kind of start doing their own little version and it's maybe not the best but I guess it's better than nothing um right um so so yeah there are lots of um programs and they are pricey which is um a shame um but I think you can self-learn a lot if you if you go and research uh, out there. Um, I don't think our schools, I know our skill, uh, a lot of our schools really promote that program to parents and it's interesting because I have so many parents inquiring about tutoring. They're like, do you use the Soundswipe program? Which um, is always, I think, I don't know if it's great to sell one program to parents as if it's the be-all and end-all because, mm-hmm. as you know, um, I don't think ever one program um, covers everything and works for every child and mm-hmm. all of, and I'm sure other teachers out there would agree. And I think if you've ever heard the, listened to the podcast, Sold a Story, I think we really need to be careful about um, 
just focusing on one program as if it's, you know, the holy grail of of everything. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are there. I mean, I think, um, I don't think selling one program is a, the best idea because honestly, first of all, programs can develop and can change um, and can not necessarily align with what you're trying to promote. Um, and also there are other programs. Not every program covers everything that you need um, or yeah. everything that you want to be teaching um, a child. So um, I feel like, yeah, like the, as you said, like these professional development opportunities are really expensive, but if you really want to learn, um, you can do your own research and find more out to be able to implement that into your classroom. Um, speaking of resources, are there any resources that you can think of that might be on the less expensive side um, or even free that you might have as a tutor um, that you could uh, relate to the podcast listeners? Yeah, so um, that South Australian um, spelled readers, and that's spelled S-P-E-L-D, um, they're a great resource. I use them all the time. Um, also on Twinkle, they have decodable readers and activities and lots of different phonics games and things that are based in the science of reading. So you can have a look there. You do need to sign up, but it's really low-cost um, membership. Okay. Uh, and I have seen a few things on Teachers by Teachers. You just have to be a little bit careful sometimes. Um, sometimes people will be, like, advertising things as decodable and they're not quite, although they're probably better than, like, level text, so it's still on the right track. Um, but, yeah, I have, like, a free ebook that if you head over to our website, there's a little bit more information there, so you're more than welcome to download that. If you have any um, questions, just reach out. I'm happy to help. Um, I'm really passionate about literacy and um, especially helping those kids who really um, struggle with learning to read. So I'm always happy to help a teacher if, if they have questions. That's amazing. Um, I actually have another question before we kind of wrap it up. Um, with children who struggle to read, um, if you're doing something within the science of reading and you see that the child is struggling, what are some things that teachers can do outside of that quote curriculum that can kind of help children to understand more as to how to read? Yeah, I think, um, so say they're getting stuck at a certain level, um, it's really good to like go back a few steps and focus on something that's a little bit easier, um, really build up that confidence. And then sometimes they they just need a little bit more practice at that slightly easier level before they're ready to move up. Mm-hmm. Um, I find a lot of the time it's just exposure and repetition and just going through it um, like so much. So they've, re- so they've really got it um, down. Um, there's a lot of research that says people with dyslexia need like you know hundreds more exposures uh to like sounds and phonics and things like that before it's they create those neural pathways that Mm -hmm. work for them so um it's just repetition and um yeah and time so I find 
in my own like work, working on those phonological awareness skills um, and doing lots of games usually helps the most um, as well as going that step back and practicing at that easier, slightly easier level for the child. Um, yeah. And yeah, practicing all the, if they um, have a lot of trouble like hearing like the initial, like, you know, picking out the initial sound or the middle sound or the end sound or creating rhymes, they're really going to struggle um, with their um, reading. reading. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so lots of practice on that usually works well. Yeah. I'm like thinking about how, you know, how fast paced so many of these <laughs> classes are and how, you know, a lot of teachers will just say like, I don't have time to do this kind of repetition. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, with any children who are struggling, repetition is the key to their success. So just a reminder, yeah. putting that out there. Um, yeah. I have one more question. And that is, as you said, you you are more than happy to give support or to help out. So if they are, if teachers are looking for extra support or looking to learn more about the science of reading and helping students who are struggling, um, where can they find you and connect with you? Yeah, so our website's um, wise our tuition t u i t i o n um, dot com. Um, so you can contact me there. You can also find me on Instagram. It's wise our tuition um, will pop up on there first. Same on Facebook, and I'm on LinkedIn, Emily Fogg on LinkedIn. So you can find me in all these places. Um, yeah, so I'm always happy to chat and. Um, yeah download our free ebook and that's a good start and I'm happy to share links to any of those um, resources I mentioned earlier if you need them. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast I know it was short and sweet but I feel like we covered a decent amount and this is just kind of an introduction to science of reading for so many teachers. Thank you thank you so much for having me and yeah I look forward to um, connecting with some of your listeners, hopefully. Amazing. What did you think? There were a lot of little nuggets in there, but honestly, I love how honest Emily was when it comes to this idea of teaching reading. (laughs) It's hard and it doesn't come with a manual when you don't have a specific curriculum to follow. So make sure To connect with Emily, if you have any questions, her information is in the description below. As always, thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast episode. If you could share the episode with your teacher friends, leave a review, or just share the episode on Instagram and tag me at Shaping Little Minds Podcast. I always love to connect with you. Keep learning, growing, and becoming your best teacher self. I am so proud of you. See you next time, teachers.